Welcome to McDonald's. What can I get you today? Hi, she'll have the quarter pounder with cheese, extra mustard, no pickles, and I'll have a 10-piece chicken McNuggets. And, and two sides, sides of ranch, please. The we've done this before meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks. Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 9, Episode 11, titled Bounty. Uh, Aaron, what do you think of this episode? I, I mean, it's it's honestly a great episode. Um, I can think of very little things that are flaws within it. Um, there's a couple points where I thought, oh boy, they're going to do something dumb here. And they didn't. Um yeah, I thought there was going to be they're going to shit on Ezekiel's uh, campaign to restore human dignity and creativity by, I don't know, killing Jerry or or, or sacrificing substantial bow girl. As soon as I found that she had a name, Diane, I'm like, yeah. oh, damn, Dumb. girl. Forget about damn. it. Damn. You had a competition to win in the in, in the in the upcoming Renaissance Fair. And, and now now it's all gone like tears in the rain and they didn't do it. Um but there was still like really nice stakes. Like I feel like they did a really good job of um, um, uh, introducing the new villain and the new uh, the head villain character, the Alpha, as like really just a loathsome character who is like stands in opposition against everything that our heroes hold dear. And there's a legit moral dilemma, and there's some like like. Daryl Dixon spitting wisdom that actually had me going like, wow, damn, you know, that that's some words to live by nowadays. I I I posted this unironically yesterday in my my Twitter that like The Walking Dead season nine has become something of a beacon of hope for me in this summer bummer, like a, a path through the apocalypse. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you know, life sometimes is just shit. Yeah, and there's nothing you can do but live with it. Uh, that's, that's where that's, that's some shit you can take to the bank. Well, what do you think? Yeah, no, I liked it too. Um, all, all the things you said, I, I definitely felt too. And I think like the, the way that they economically dealt with the Lydia situation, I, I, this is something that could have easily dragged on and on. They could have just said, nah, come back later. We're We got to think it over with Lydia. Uh, but no, they, they just made the decision and they executed. Uh, and I, I think it, it's so uncharacteristic of Walking Dead to do that that I yeah. sort of found myself surprised by it pleasantly. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it, and they laid they laid the they laid the tracks right up too because yes, last episode we talked about how like you know when you have these situations with the abuser, uh, when the fact that she shows up, you know, more to reclaim her possession than out of any kind of love or loyalty or a daughter, that's going to be misinterpreted to, by the abusee as like a change of heart or abuse. And yeah. it exactly played out like we thought. And what's an, what I thought was an amazing grace note is Daryl saw it all. You could see it on his face that he could see this playing out and he understood what was going on and got it. Yeah. But like, you and they, know, they, they made that point, you know, even in this episode, but also in, in many others about, you know, he's a survivor of abuse himself. And so he should get these things. And the fact that he does is, like I said, pretty uncharacteristically 
uh, Walking Dead. No, it's 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 really it's really good. I don't know. Maybe it happens even better in the books. But if so, I'm I'm glad I didn't read them because I'm I'm really invested in what they're doing here. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, maybe we should get into the recap then. We yes. It, I I couldn't help but notice there was a warning at the beginning of this, which included smoking, which I thought was hilarious because the other things it puts in there are violence, language, nudity, and gore. That seems a bit of a false equivalency to me, but okay, sure. Is there smoking in this episode? Who's smoking? I don't even remember who's smoking. Ah, oh, see, that's how effective the smoking propaganda is. I didn't even notice it. I didn't even notice Maybe it. Maybe it's just a generic warning that gets put on all of them, and I'm just now noticing it, but yeah, I thought it's yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, so we start out with Jerry spitting his gum out to tell Ezekiel and Carol that uh, his woman is pregnant. They're having a baby. And they congratulate him, and then Tara and Jesus ride up on horses, revealing, oh, the scene is actually a flashback. And Tara says she stole some supplies from Alexandria, so she can't go home. Uh, she gives some of her bounty to Ezekiel, the multi-community charter of freedom and rights, I think it's called, that she wrote up before she became disillusioned. Uh, and then back at the kingdom sometime later, a uh, competent bow girl, rather, tells Ezekiel, or substantial bow girl, I'm sorry, uh, that there I think are. She's competent too. After this episode, we can we can call oh, yeah. her substantial and competent, for sure. Uh, there are a hundred elk nearby that they can hunt, but they've only got six hours to get them before the dead do. And then Carol says, "Hey, I'm coming along on that hunt." Yeah, um, I thought this flashback scene was really sweet. Um, you know, there, we know there's always been an affection between Ezekiel and Jerry. But to see like Ezekiel genuinely light up and, you know, even in his pseudo Shakespearean mode, you are the biggest, you are the biggest hearted among us all. You should really do something about that, Jerry. Enlarged hearts uh, can kill a man of your size. <laughs> Inflammation, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I like it. And even like some of the stuff that I might roll my eyes with on a worse episode, like when he uh, goes to pat Ezekiel on the back and he's got his rechewed gum right there that, you know, I, I can't really hold it against the, the show. Yeah, I mean, Jerry is a source of comedy relief, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah, it is. Speaking of other things that uh, used to be annoying on The Walking Dead that they're no longer trafficking in is when that tube came out and they developed, I'm like, oh, God, are they going to make this some kind of mystery that's going to pay off later in the season? What's in the tube? What's in the tube? What could possibly, is it's a, it's a family painting, it's uh, the uh, map of the future, it's barley equals intellect, it's fucking a, a big life-size card that says PPP, what could it possibly be? <laughs> it's the multi-community community charts of, uh, charter of rights and freedoms that yeah. Michonne's been working away on. Um, I, I was intrigued because, you know, this is one of the things I was very interested in, like, you know, this post-apocalyptic reforming society, reforging justice, um, uh, reestablishing the concepts of liberty um, and freedoms and whatnot. Um, that would be really fascinating. And I think that um, I was able to go on the Internet and find a full text copy of the, the Charter's rights and responsibilities. Do you, do you think it'd be interesting to go through those or should we do that like at the end of the episode or... I mean, I I think I, it's weird because we're recording these, you know, a year and a half after the show has already aired it um, or uh-huh. whatever. But a large portion of our audience fucked off of the show the same time yeah. we did. So, so we I, have like, kind I'm of curious. unique opportunity here. I, I had it in my notes yeah. to go to go find this thing. I just didn't have time. So I'm kind yeah. of curious if, if you want to read some of it at least. 
Yeah, I I, I do because I I thought that um, well, let's just get into it because there's they start with a preamble just like our constitution and like a mini compacts of its sort do, um, and it 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 starts with the statement that like any person who would live in peace and fairness and would find common ground, this is your world by right. Hmm. Um, and there's a lot of like, specific language talking about the change of the world because of you know the zombie virus, for example. First article says we believe that people have the right to live as long as we can. Um, so that's okay. like the foundational rights because you know after you know, the the death is is uh, fucking bullshit. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm thinking two hundred years in the future, the court systems are going to be interpreting that law. Well, so article two is the days of fury are over. Apparently, this is the what they called the, the times of Negan. Uh, solitary confinement. Uh, uh, there's like, so there's no longer can kill people. Solitary confinement is the ultimate sanction that this document um, hmm. lays out in Article Two. Okay. So what they're doing to Negan, that is the capital punishment of its time. Um, there's also uh, th- Article Three is about um, essentially celebrating differences amongst each other. Like we live with and fo- uh, and love people who are different. We believe different things, have different backgrounds, and celebrate them. We agree no one can be forced uh, to change to make their neighbor more comfortable. We are a community of equal every, equals. Oh everyone has a right to be themselves. We okay. do not make it this far so that any person who stands with us is looked down upon or hated for who they are, what they believe, or who they love. No one can be forced to pay tribute or worship another person ever. I thought there's... So this is the first, like, oh, this sounds awful good. Okay, so it's like we're essentially going to banish bigotry. We're going to make it a, a crime... Um, but no one can be forced to pay tribute. Uh, oh boy, this is this is taxation equals theft. This is music to those people's ears. Uh, yeah, I mean there are a, there are a myriad of problems with everything I'm hearing here. Uh, the sentiment this, I like, but uh-huh. the, the legality of it. Oh boy, that's going to be challenging. I was, in court, and then and again, yeah, like I feel like um maybe they should have gotten a real lawyer to look over this because a real lawyer was supposed to have written it. And I, and I get it. Right. You don't want like your constitution to be like minutia and legalese mm-hmm. and parties of the third, fourth, with then thus. And it, but but like there are some truck size holes to drive through here, um, and maybe that's part of the problem. Like you know maybe that's why the communities have kind of gone to their corners because you know someone's like I don't I can't be forced to pay tribute. So fuck I'm not gonna. You know, these are my tomatoes. These are my cans of beans, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, Article four, we survive. But this is about more than sur- than survival to the world we are consecrating. Everyone has a right to think for themselves, the right to speak and be heard. There will be disagreements, but we will not allow them to become violent. We respect each other in life too much for that. Um, it's self-evident to us that no one has a monopoly on truth or justice. Um any person who joins us must accept our belief in human dignity. We strive for unity, but accept differences. Um, everyone has the right to leave and risk life on the open road, but our communities reserve the right to decide who our members are. So there's like this kind of f- free association, but not violence. But like, obviously this, uh, you know, if anyone disagrees is, is free to hit the open road, but what if they don't want to, you know, what if someone sure. just wants to hate? their neighbor, but also doesn't want to go out there and do the zombies. Are you going to solitary confinement? Yeah. And also like there will be violence and I'm sure like people, you know, like 
the state still has a monopoly on violence. So I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of this. This articles three and four is a lot of um, double talk and and uh, stuff that sounds good in theory, but in principle, how will it work out? Um, yeah. Five is everyone gets due process. People are secure in their property and their persons. We own ourselves only. Uh, we know that living together means sacrifices, but those sacrifices are made knowingly and willingly and are shared by all people of good faith. Um, and he says, while we celebrate and cherish the rights of the individual, our, our general general welfare comes first. I mean, it's wild that they're enshrining <laughs> so into communism. their chart. Yeah, but they're enshrining into the Constitution the very battles that we're having right now. And it's like literally both sides. Like, well, everyone's secure in their own yeah. property, but general welfare comes first. Right. Uh, I mean, that's a hard problem to resolve. Um, and if you don't like it, uh, hit the road, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we'll force you to. Yeah. Um, every community, uh, Article 6, every community can decide how they want to live. We decide how to share, how to serve, how to sacrifice, but every community should be self-sustaining. No community can be forced to pay. The living are in league of friendship and will strive to wow. solve problems as needed. So, so extrapolate this: uh, no, no global trade whatsoever. Uh, no, no trade yeah. outside of the communities. It's voluntary. Or what's okay. wild is Tara delivers this tube containing the charter, also saying that she stole the common property from Alexandria and is going to is going to essentially ask for political asylum in Hilltop yeah. for her betrayal. Yeah. Um, like, what if Alexandria wants to prosecute her for this crime? You know, uh, what, what, what? And and I'm like, is this this show might be smart enough now to understand all these contradictions and might set Maybe to resolving them? That would kind of be amazing, but I don't think that's. Look, the people who are still watching this show are not the people who want to see the letter of the law carried out to its inevitable logical conclusions. <laughs> But you look at some of these stances of Michonne and whatnot, and I'm I, I can see mm-hmm. like a lot of these fractures are in this document. And I wonder if there's going to be some kind of at the end of this whole whispers arc, if there's going to be a whole bunch of amendments to this or refines everyone can because there's another thing at the bottom I want to get to. Um, it's so, so Article Seven is um, well. Also, Article Six lays out that uh, if a general council is called, which is a council of all the communities, each community will provide a single representative to meet at a place to be determined. Each representative has one vote. So okay. that seems interesting. That like if you do have, uh, and they they outline here in like Episode Seven. Um, I like this one a lot. Beyond humility or humanity and life itself, we share a common bond. We're all infected with the virus that robs death of its dignity. We've seen what it does to loved ones, to friends and family. We do not wish to join the ranks of the walking dead, but we know that one day we will, will unless corrective action is taken. And it outlines that everyone has a duty to essentially destroy the brain of someone who dies so hmm. that they do not return as a walker. Okay, I like that. Um, it, it's it solves the conundrum, you know, like oh, but that's my mom. The the Shaun of the Dead right. thing, right? Right. Like this is like the highest law of the land says that you have to. Yeah, I thought that was pretty yeah. interesting, and it's the kind of stuff that I thought, you know, like the changing of the funerary customs and whatnot in this world, I think would be interesting. And also, it shows like um, who did it? Was it Aaron that ritually knifed Jesus in the head once he was pronounced dead? I think it was Aaron. Yeah. Like you're starting to see the influence of these laws uh, codified, um, mm-hmm. uh, and then finally eight is this is uh, like uh, the war powers 
uh, article. Bound by a common trust, life, and our humanity, we're making the world new again. We're making the world bigger by collaborating and cooperating. We're helping one another and defending one another so that we can all be safe. But this charter is not a suicide pact. No community can be forced to sacrifice supplies or people needed for self-preservation to save another. War will never be declared without joint agreement of all. Uh, does that mm. mean it's like a UN Security Council? All the communities have to agree to go to war or none of them? Or, or I guess if, if, if there isn't a formal declaration of war, then no community can be compelled to support that effort? I suppose so. Man, the sanctuary commu- must have read that and been like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, <laughs> each community may opt out if they're so able. If war comes or some other emergency threatens our joint or individual survival as communities, the above rights and freedoms can be suspended oh, by the see, communities now. elected or appointed leadership until the danger has passed. No, no, oh, no, boy. no, no. Recipe for disaster <laughs> right there. It seems like it. Um, so, you either believe these things the- or you don't. <laughs> Uh, so the post Amble then says created under unanimous agreement of all the communities of this new world with hope for the future and confidence that we are together or stronger um, under one common accord. We sign our names below and it has three communities listed Alexandria kingdom, Oceanside. Yeah. Um, the notable exceptions here are Hilltop and uh, Sanctuary, which do so, get added later in the episode. Uh, they do. Yeah. Is Ezekiel unrolls it somewhere else in the episode uh and you can see that they've been added oh okay so that so maybe this hmm interesting but they must have been added uh, by thought, ezekiel right because tara steals this and gives it to him and so he just like adds himself in sanctuary i i thought that was going to be a smoking gun like oh what's the intrigue that the you know hilltop <laughs> and all that stuff and yeah. you know it was maybe maggie brought on board because tara be, you know gave him this uh much needed medicine i I, I don't know. I don't know. But it's it's interesting because you've also got um, this document, but also if it can be overrided just by someone deciding, some senior member of the council decided, well, we're family, so fuck it. Mm. Um, you know, Alexander didn't want to give up this antibiotics and she stole it. So I'm I'm very curious to see how this all goes down, how this ties into the scars on Michonne and Daryl's back. Um, yeah. But but Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the, the timing I, 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 of it all is still up in the air because, like you know, Hilltop was Maggie's thing, um, probably at this right. time, uh, and and so I'm I'm wondering like what you know why is the Hilltop not on there, uh, and what was the relationship between Maggie and, and her community and Michonne and their community? Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I, I I just. Um... To the extent that this becomes a part of the show, I'd really do. I, it, it'd be so cool, I think, for the next season and a half or so to make this document be edited and modified and like shored up because I just think it's, you know, this could be like uh, Star Trek gets a lot of mileage out of the, the prime directive and the moral and ethical dilemmas that I puts under like Starfleet personnel, I would mm-hmm. love, I mean, it's a very simple document it has eight articles. It would be really cool for those to become, uh, you know, dilemmas, um, that could maybe illuminate problems in our own society. Maybe it's could hilarious. Have, like, a, dis- a dark version of Star Trek. It's hilarious to me how often the prime directive conflicts with the scenario at hand. And that's one yeah. rule. If you had right. eight different articles that you were trying to get to all mesh in any given scenario, it would get chaotic. It's going to get insane. There are now eight eight prime directives that are mutually, <laughs> right. uh, you know, contradictory. Yeah, 
No, it, try, it'll be try interesting. Try to organize a society around it. I, I do want to see what they do with this, if anything. Um, it they, they do show it. Like, you can read it on screen mm-hmm. if you want, so... And they got to know that the the super fans would be doing just what we did. Exactly. Uh, you know, someone transcribed this thing and uh, uh, is pouring over it. So, yeah. All right. That was scene one. Scene two. <laughs> uh, the whispers are, are still at the gate. Uh, Alpha asks for her daughter. Daryl tells her to leave before she gets hurt. So Alpha calls in like 20 more dudes. I was not impressed with the numbers she called in. Uh, the threat nah. was not real for me. Until they brought out Luke and and Alden, but they got yeah. that, and the, their true threat is the dead itself. And yeah. I'm I'm guessing that next episode they're just going to ram the dead right down the hilltop's throat and see what happens. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll we'll see. All right. Uh, so then we find out that the blacksmith spilled molten metal on his arm, uh, and Enid is treating his wounds. His wife wants him to retire, but he refuses. Afterward, uh, his wife, Brett Butler, tells Enid not to lose hope over finding Alden. And then Enid finds out that the whisper is at the gate. With Boston Rob in tow, apparently. Uh, yeah, have they? I don't think they brought him out yet, but yes, he, he's there somewhere. He's back behind the corn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then Daryl says he isn't interested in sending the girl back to her mother. Uh, even when she threatens them and he goes outside the gate to talk with her. It's all kind of just, which is funny because there's, she asked who the leader of the community is. And I thought Tara was going to stand forward. But in fact, Daryl says, why the fuck does it matter? And then he is the one that goes forth and deals. So it's like, yeah, this government is very fluid, very fluid is, uh, um, and, uh, that probably yeah. suits it. Honestly, but like that's something that's going to have to be fixed uh, no, going I, forward. It, it's amazing to me that there there has not been seemingly a, a formal power structure here uh, established. Mm-hmm. Jesus was just kind of the de facto leader, it seems. And then we mm-hmm. assumed Tara would be the de facto leader after that. But yeah, I mean, look, well, Jesus D- was Daryl knows elected. Yeah. Uh, like Daryl, you know, has talked with Lydia, understands the situation. I'm not sure that Tara even knows much about what's going on there. And so it makes a certain amount of sense that he would be the one to come out here and talk with Alpha. But yeah, Tara is, is under... the leader of this community, in my opinion. I, and I wonder if this is going to undermine Tara's authority because they already had like uh, Brett Butler um, putting her yeah. on notice like, hey, we're going to look to you for justice. Mm-hmm. And if Daryl's the one doing all the justice dispensing, and said, like, I, I wonder, you know, even though he doesn't want to be the leader, I wonder if this is going to uh, start applying pressure on him that he has to kind of step up because. Yeah, could be. You know, he's uh, he, he is undermining Tara's authority, whether he wants to or not. Yeah. Uh, so we go back to Ezekiel's group and it's uh, after the hunt. They've caught a couple of elk. Uh, Ezekiel tries to send Carol back to camp alone because. He's got this side mission that he wants to go on, uh, which is she decides she wants in and we find out that he takes her to a movie theater infested with zombies because he wants this uh, theater projector bulb. It's a side quest, Jim. They always always bog you down. Yeah, he needs to just stay on the main mission, you know, to finally like get in there and defeat the dragon and then go back and do the side quest. Come on, Ezekiel. Yeah, but the the horde the horde might cut him off from the theater forever. And uh, what the the, the fair is uh, 
just around the corner. I, I, I'm not, I haven't got a good fix on the date. Is it like, did they say it was this coming weekend or the weekend after that? Or <laughs> I mean, it's, it's imminent. It's episode 11. So we have uh, five more episodes before the fair, <laughs> four more. I they think. got the, they got the decorations up, you know, uh-huh. uh, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff happening. Uh, the, the super bus has been formed. Yeah. They moved the it's, buses it's together. Just a, it's just, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Uh, Daryl meets with Alpha and threatens to blow him all away. Um, and then he, he hears this baby crying, uh, a whisper baby, and he's like, what the fuck? And she says, hey, animals have babies. We're animals and we live out here, so we got a baby out here. Um, mm-hmm. And then she proposes a trade of Alden and Luke for her daughter. The, uh, the Luke's zombie mask. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. It's a... It's it's the Cabbage Patch uh, version of a zombie mask. It's hilarious. Yeah. It looks like, like a garbage pail kid for sure. Like, look, we get Luke is a hefty man. You got to give him the the fat zombie mask. Come on, come on, man. Yeah. Like, how'd you even? Fi- I don't. I don't get it. How'd you find a face with those dimensions? Because it doesn't fit him. Yeah, he's big, but it doesn't fit him. It's too wide. It's too squat. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty funny though. It does, yeah. Garbage pail. There, there you go. That's that's the it's the cursed version of Cabbage Patch for sure. Definitely. Um, but I don't know. They, the, she's Alpha's making compelling arguments. Two for uh, two of yours for one of ours. That's a good trade. Oh yeah, that's an offer. And they can't she knows refuse. it. Right, right. Um, I mean, it's unpalatable for a lot of different reasons, but it is the right thing to do. It's really only unpalatable to Henry and slightly to Daryl because nobody else gives a shit about this Lydia girl, right? Nobody's had conversations with her. They're not survivors of of abuse. Like, they just want their people back, the people they know and love. But they, this is the beginning, like, you know, this is what gets, like, uh, our country in trouble. Like, when our interests are not aligned with our ideals. Like, we just sure. read that, like... Um, anyone that, uh, what, what was the preamble? Um, anyone who would live in peace and fairness would find common ground. This is the world by right. Well, Lydia, uh, at the end of the episode got to that point. Mm-hmm. So like, do they have an, uh, uh, do they have an obligation to protect such an individual? Well, they don't. It's um, written into their constitution. They get to choose who their true. community members are. So that's, that's true. Like these principles are, but, but yeah, like unless They've actually formally joined the community. I guess you're right. Legally that. But but there again, there's the the, the gap between the ideals and the interest is what always gets nation states in trouble. And uh, yeah. I don't think the hilltop's going to be uh, any different, um, especially since apparently you're going to have a lot of the community badasses just going rogue to settle <laughs> scores at the end of this episode anyway. Yeah. And I mean, th- this is where leverage meets reality, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they've got two other people. They want them back. Like, what can they do here? I think mm-hmm. they make the right call, ultimately. Uh, so Zeke wants this projector bulb from the th- the theater. Uh, Carol thinks it's not worth the risk, but he pitches her on it with a community morale argument, and she eventually comes around. Uh, they play some radio as a distraction and then to, to lure the walkers away, and then they go inside. Uh, they don't immediately find any bulbs, but they do find a lot of walkers uh, in a, a theater. And they continue on to the projector room looking for the bulb. Yeah, I I really like this because Carol's got the pragmatic ar- argument that like you know you're sending fathers and mothers to their death, but then undercutting her, fathers and mothers stood up and been like, you know what, 
we don't want to just survive. We want to thrive. And part of that is having culture and arts and, you know, Jerry, who, man, you get to see uh, as they're going up on the great elk hunt, you get to see him saying goodbye to his just adorable children. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's really stoked about it. And they understand the risks. And these are at this point, battle hardened, apocalyptic badasses. And they're all soberly saying, yeah, we want to get this projector bulb because we want to make this. Yeah this fair um you know we want something besides the the world's greatest wa- <laughs> bicycle powered washing machine to gawk at <laughs> uh we want this to be uh you know like the kingdom i don't know like is that i, I wonder if the deal is the kingdom's chief export is their culture hmm. yeah you know and their morale. like like he'll yeah yeah like they're out, like if if you can invite the whole all the communities to see a, an old world movie Mm-hmm. I mean, then when the kingdom needs antibiotics and some ears of corn, people are going to be like, hey, you know, maybe we should give it to him because none of us are crazy enough to go fucking get a projector out of the. Uh, who does that? Who does yeah. that? It's unfortunate. Uh, the only uh, reel of film they have is Night of the Living Dead. But, you know, you play what you <laughs> what you got at the fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's relatable. It's relatable to people. The people For like sure. that kind of stuff. I. I also love how they're they're playing the uh, it's all right now by Eddie Harris and like everybody like everybody regardless of their age sex um, or race is like getting kind of getting the groove on except for Carol who's just kind of like side eye and left right who are these crazy people I I fucking love it it is I know but Carol's just so she's so fucking grounded man yeah she's Uh, a crazy lady that spent a whole year in a cabin talking to nobody but herself so true. I, yeah. I got to say, I don't agree with the waste of batteries. They they must have gone through, what, four, six D-cell batteries uh, just as a distraction. You could have set up a, a wind chime. You could have had somebody on a horse yeah. go lead them away. You know? It doesn't get everybody limber and, and loose. <laughs> That's doesn't true. Get the, doesn't, doesn't get the, the Jerry's groove back. <laughs> Jerry <laughs> could have done that. a mean acapella version, I'm sure. Uh, Jerry's going to have to do surgery up up in that projector room. You need him loose, loose and limber. That's true. That's true. Uh, it all does feel a little too real for me right now, though, with the coronavirus shutdown. It's like, oh, mm. this theater has been disused, uh, <laughs> and there are a bunch of rotting corpses in it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, in the middle of next year, when you go back to the Cineplex, uh, it's going to look just like that. There's going to be thick cobwebs. <laughs> You're going to have to clean the corpses of the people who were captain tripped uh, behind back in the, the spring and summer of, of 2020. It's uh, it's going to be a wild experience. Yeah, can't wait. All right, the dead show up at Hilltop, uh, and Alpha decides to keep him circling for now. Daryl has decided to make the trade. Unfortunately, Henry snuck into the jail and released Lydia. Uh, the community searches for them, and Daryl uses his dog to track Henry. Which is cool. All that stuff, yep. like, I thought dog was kind of, like, gratuitous, but hey, you know, he paid off in this episode. Oh, okay. Um, And, uh... Yeah, I, I like that the, the deaf woman in the cornfield is kind of like their ace in the hole. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that, you know, like all this stuff like, hey, man, this all makes sense. And it has something cool for her to do. Like Luke's able to communicate with her privately that no one else's knows. She yeah. comes up clutch here in the next couple scenes um, and provides like a, you know, well, I guess we'll wait to, to praise that when I get there. But um, yeah, I, I yeah, none of this stuff is infuriating. Like shockingly, I know. 
like like a grown ass person doing the shit that Henry does would be infuriating. But sure. Henry, like he is uniquely like this is his character. He's young. He's full of testosterone. He's been raised on a steady diet of King Ezekiel's bullshit and optimism and idealism and, and being a knight. Bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like all of this stuff has molded him into this like wretchedly naive character. So like, it's infuriating, but mm-hmm. it also is exactly what this character would do, and it feels very believable. And, and they and, did a good uh, job, um, you know, foreshadowing this this turn from Henry because uh, yeah, you know, they they had him with those teens, right, putting down that walker, um, and not giving a shit what they thought about it, and just going and doing it. So it feels very in character. Yeah, yeah. All right, outside the gates, the baby causes problems for the whispers who are trying to control the dead. Uh, it's crying. The walkers want to eat it. Rather than save the baby, they let the dead have it for natural selection reasons. I, I don't think there's got to be very... Lydia's probably the youngest person in this group because... Yeah, well, it's what we talked about, you know. I, I uh-huh. This is the thing. Walking Dead this season has been doing this every time we talk about a problem that you know, inevitably will come from the things they've shown us. They're kind of addressing it. And it's a weird feeling while watching the walking dead to have all of my concerns and questions answered or addressed almost immediately. Yeah. And I remember how we talked about not liking the fact that they'd always Judith was always just something to and be put in danger to like get these cheap emotional moments out of. Um, And this felt different because, you know, it's 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 a natural outgrowing of what you would expect from these whispers. Um, And it's it really set them up to just in in a way that is like even more effective than Negan beating Glenn to death. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that was, you know, as as, as vicious as that was, it was a consequence that, uh, you know, the, the, the community kind of more or less earned by their their defiance of Negan. Um, this is instantly makes you think, okay, like these whispers are just fucking, they're, 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 they're inhuman. Yeah. Uh, this alpha person is maniacal. Like mm-hmm. who the fuck does this? Um, your natural selection. There is like, you, the evolution doesn't work that way, ba- uh, lady. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's also kind of like, well, what should the mother have done? You know, like made the child black out. Like hell, it's like it, 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 there's there's nothing but inhuman responses to this. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, it's just a baby is incompatible with that scenario, right? Um, yeah, and this it's is why you that need... scenario because you're pretending to be the dead, and you know, for for whatever we would say about you know Judith being a the crying baby MacGuffin uh, problem mm-hmm. thing, this is ten times worse because they have nowhere to go and they can't run either. Running would just exacerbate the problem so yeah and also they end up giving the baby i think to the blacksmith family which neatly kind of completes their arc they lost their son earlier this season which robbed them a lot of their like i i I got the feeling that a lot of the blacksmith's problem is that he's got nothing really to live for other than his work um Mm -hmm. maybe now like he'll find a better balance and be able to you know get you know rest up and continue to to serve the community now he's got something beyond just like uh well i gotta make these damn horseshoes kind of thing um mm-hmm. it, it it serves a lot of purposes and it just shows i haven't said this this is a writer's room that gave a shit yeah. like they came into the season with a whiteboard and post-it notes and actually spent more than a few sloppy lunch sessions planning things out like mm-hmm. 
wow, these are things that were set in motion and then a time jump happened and then these characters were all over and reshuffled the deck. But like we thought, of, relax, everybody. We're not writing this week to week. We've actually thought about this shit. And it's so refreshing. So refreshing. Okay, Daryl's dog finds uh, the Henry and Lydia escape route, which is this fake log tunnel, which I cannot believe. No one knew this was out here? No one. Okay. I I don't know, because Daryl makes a beeline. Well, no, I guess the dog led him to it. And he's like, what the fuck? What is this thing? And nobody nobody has answers. Uh, The teen girl who partied with Henry before, I, I think her name is Addie. Uh, tells yes. Okay, tells Daryl and Enid that she knows where he probably took her, and Enid decides to go with her while Daryl uh, deals with the dead at the gates. Uh, Connie, trapped outside the gates, decides to move in to save the baby. She snatches it, ducks into the cornfield where she gets stuck in a herd until Daryl and her friends come to save her. Yeah, this is man. We've made fun of stealth zombies for good reason. But this deaf woman being stuck in this corn maze with zombies, both living and dead all around her, was like a legit horrific scenario that they'd done just enough for these with these fucking new guys to make me care. Especially, Mm -hmm. you know, woman comes out guns, you know, I guess slingshots blazing to save a baby. I'm, I'm already kind of invested in her. Yeah. But like, holy hell, what a set piece. Uh, what a what a really unique inventive set piece that makes full use of this character. And shows their inherent bravery and nobility. And just when things got grim, like the catharsis of seeing like Daryl crash through saving the day and then like all of Hilltops, like fuck this, we're we're going balls out for it. I it's great. A lot of heart, a lot of heart in the scene. Yeah. Um, I really like the sound design in this uh particular scene as well. Like yes. you mentioned, you know, she's deaf, and so she can sort of hear general noises but they're very muddy they, it's hard to tell where they're coming from and it adds to the confusion uh mm-hmm. and the, the the fear in that situation you really felt the vulnerability like even though she's a very competent badass person in this environment it's 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 very claustrophobic and parent and paranoia inducing uh in the audience as well as the uh the the heroine here um yes yeah well done well conceived piece <laughs> All right, Jerry finds a bulb in the projector, and he begins extraction. Uh, Ezekiel asks for his uh, side side mission, um, which is pulling down a frame for the charter so it can be signed at the fair. Uh, Carol doesn't want him to get his hopes up that Michonne will show uh, at the fair. And then she suggests they talk to Jesus about taking them in if things don't improve at the kingdom. He assures her that he's considered all possible outcomes. At the same time as the boombox dies... The walkers who've been stuck in the theater break loose and begin to breach their defenses. And Jerry drops the bulb and says, dang. Uh, (laughs) Conclusion coming up uh, in one of the next scenes, but it's not broken. You know, it's we we talked about this a little bit pre-podcast. It does seem like things in the hilltop are a little bit more dire. Uh, Like, I, I thought that this earlier in the season they established that the hilltops infrastructure was in fact breaking down oh king kingdom is being held kingdom i'm sorry not hilltop kingdom uh the infrastructure you know like uh, there's these pipes bursting and they had to repair them with like duct tape and bailing twine and 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 henry joining the the blacksmith and hilltop i thought was a way I, i thought they were telling a story of like maybe hilltop has a little bit more too much warrior uh too much king ezekiel's bullshit and not enough like technicians and like engineers they don't have enough jerry's they don't have enough uh, not jerry they don't have enough uh, eugenes they don't have enough blacksmiths 
um and and henry going to train was a uh some some kind of um way to to, to avoid that dark future but i don't know, carol seems a little bit more pessimistic that like yeah like they, they, they might like, very soon have to abandon that community altogether yeah how i, I don't how, understand because like what does infrastructure even mean in the apocalypse like okay you got a few pipes that are burst but certainly you could carry water via buckets or something uh to yeah, water your the, crops if the water if the irrigation's a problem or like nobody's got i mean yeah they probably have indoor plumbing but you don't need indoor plumbing to survive no uh, yeah i'm just thinking like where are the choke points that make this community completely inviable uh because their infrastructure is crumbling maybe there's a source of water inside the walls they have to pump it from outside and that could be maybe you know, but maybe they should be building some walls out to some well so they can, you know, have a protected source of water. Um, but I, I don't know. It's 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 interesting um, because, yeah, like it seems like you could just loan some blacksmith or some material. There's got to be tons and tons of like just raw bill. Like think about like all the shit you can scrounge from a Home Depot. Oh, yeah. Um, or a Lowe's that wouldn't have, you know, like I'm sure plywood and all that kind of stuff is like the first to go to zombie apocalypse and maybe nails. But like. How much fucking pipe and PVC and stuff must be available? Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's it seems like you could maybe they don't have the technical expertise, um, but I would love for them to explore that more. I mean, I'm certain uh, they don't have that. I've seen yeah, the blocks it seems, work. It seems like you know if you want to live like you know uh, old frontier days, all you really need is walls, which the kingdom yeah. has, and people willing to defend them. So and their crops. Yeah, what is the seem deal? Fine. I mean. They need they make it apparent that they need this elk because um, Ezekiel's like, oh, that might be enough to feed us all. But I, I, I don't know. I was under the impression looking at all of the gardens and stuff inside of the walls of the kingdom that they yeah. had food. Yeah, I mean, like enough. when you went over to see the the sanctuary, it's very easy to see how that community could right. collapse because nothing was going to grow. But like the hilltop does seem to be thriving. Yeah, I'd like to find out more about their infrastructure problems. Me too. Um, uh, I know this isn't new, but I wanted to bring it up again because I like it. Uh, they've named all these herds. This one is called Alfred, um, which I don't know. It's it's just a cool idea that we would name herds in the apocalypse. The, the one a little, like slightly unbelievable thing is that Jerry would somehow have in the apocalypse with all these bored teenagers around a role of unpopped bubble wrap that he could wrap this thing in because i don't know about you first first time i see uh first thing i do when i see unpopped bubble wrap is i grab it and i start popping the bubbles yeah i see that's that's article i didn't do we didn't go over article nine because i didn't think it'd come up in a podcast Mm. but uh bubble wrap is a precious resource and the penalty for popping it is uh solitary confinement so uh okay it's uh maybe that's the infrastructure problem that the kingdom is having they just don't have enough bubble wrap they don't. Yeah. Like yeah. if you need to pack and ship uh, safely secure. I, I did like um, just so you know that like what Jerry was saying about those projector bulbs is absolutely true. Yeah. Like a single f- fingerprint. The the um, like. The, these bulbs have so much wattage going through that glass. That any obstruction can superheat that glass and cause it to shatter. Yeah. And once it shatters, the fill the filament burns out almost instantly. So. Um, I don't know, even with it shrouded in bubble wrap, you could drop it three stories into a, a pit full of zombies and it would survive. But 
Yeah, this yeah, is the yeah, thing. Like, I'm, I'm, I actually was super happy to see him don the surgical gloves and be like, yeah, yeah. no, this is like, you got to be really careful about these things because that's right on. The thing is, I just don't care that much. Like, th- that's the problem here is like, I'm not totally bought into the morale argument uh, of needing this bulb to survive the zombie uh-huh. apocalypse. So like, when Jerry drops it, I'm just like, just let it go, man. Let it go. It's not that important. You know, you got the frame. You're going to have your grand ceremony anyway. Forget about the bulb. Uh, and they're trying to establish like all this tension over this bulb. And I'm like, uh, okay, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so then Lydia changes into some human clothes and begins to manifest Stockholm syndrome toward her mother. Uh, Henry hears Enid and Addie outside and goes to talk to him. And Enid explains the hostage situation to him, tells him uh, he can live with this bad decision that he's got to make if he just doesn't think about it. Uh, and then Lydia comes out of the house and volunteers to go back to her people. She And she kisses Henry, says, uh, he says, okay. Yeah, and they even brought Just Survive somehow back. Like, you know, Enid hasn't been with us that long. <laughs> Got a JSS, but, baby. But, but her, like, experience of dealing with these, these, these trauma- traumatic incidents and her personal experience of wrestling through it and Carl helping her do so, I, I again, you know, like... There's something to be said by having a couple characters around that you've been a few seasons with. It's like, you know, like as as, as much fun as it is to have some no name come on and you you give them a fluff job of like uh, a minute or two of backstory and then you kill them and have everybody shed tears. Like you really do get something special out of having characters. Even I, mean, I, I wouldn't think the Enid is even that particularly well-written character. And I remember at the time thinking the JSS was kind of dopey, mm-hmm. but like you get a few seasons in a rear view mirror and it's kind of getting fuzzy like this shit. Yeah. Like they're, they're making the most out of what they got. Sure. Uh, they're, they're, they're using every part of the Enid, including the JSS. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like it. This kiss. Uh, I know it's significant for Henry. And it may very well be his first. But I just couldn't help but thinking how gross it must be to kiss the mouth of a girl who has legit probably not brushed her teeth since she was a baby. <laughs> like, I don't mm, I don't know when am, you find the time uh, uh-huh. to brush your teeth when you're walking amongst the dead. But yeah, uh, that's got to be less than less than the perfect kiss, I imagine. Mm hmm. Yeah, and it's too bad because like, Henry just was not raised to deal with this real politics scenario. It's not what his no. his uh, honor code demands. It's not what his PP wants. It's like everything in his in his, every fibers is being is unaligned with this decision, mm-hmm. uh, which you know plays out like you'd think. All right, Daryl and Alpha make the hostage trade, and Lydia apologizes to her mother, who immediately slaps her and tells her to call her Alpha, like all the rest. And then they all turn and leave. Such uh, a she, powerful uh, illustration, though. Like Boston Rob and the professor mm-hmm. get hugged and fawned over, and everyone as greets them as uh, as if they were missed and treasured individuals. And she gets a slap for saying "mom" instead of "alpha." And uh, yeah. there you go, Lydia. Seems like the uh, duality of man. Everything is resolved here, right? There's not going to be any more troubles with the whispers. Uh, everybody gets what they want. Everybody's happy. They go home. I feel like the story of the whispers might be internal collapse because I got to yeah. think the zombies walking around in the field, seeing one mother forced to abandon her child versus the links that this community will go to save a child. That's not even theirs. 
um, and how they would play some brinksmanship to retain a person that's not theirs too. Like that's got to like there's no one on the hilltop that's like, oh, you know what? That Whisper Society looks pretty, pretty interesting, looks pretty good. But there's got to be mm-hmm. a lot of whispers thinking, oh, man. Oh, yeah. You drop a few pamphlets out there that says, hey, we got a doctor. It's game over for the whispers. They're all going to come to the hilltop. That's yeah, that's that's what I'm. Yeah. Propaganda. Yeah. Let's get some propaganda bombing on these whispers. Yeah. We can, yeah, we can like change they, their they mind. I always said. In the Cold War, the best the best American propaganda was just a photo of a supermarket. Yeah, uh, full of food. <laughs> and uh, here in the in the zombie apocalypse, the best uh, the best uh, propaganda is like a picture of a family eating dinner quietly by candlelight with a baby at a table with strong walls and and people that love them protecting them, like not wearing hey, the skin of the dead. Yeah, not yeah. wearing. Yeah, you can. We can. We have a we have a dentist in here. <laughs> Uh, okay, Jerry reports his fuck up to Ezekiel, who decides it's not worth going into the theater full of walkers. Right on, Ezekiel. I'm with you. Uh, the, because the herd is closing in, like everything is coming to a head here. Uh, they need to get out. But Carol chimes in to say, hey, we should go for it. Um, having fully bought into his uh, morale arguments. And they do. And their victory gives Ezekiel hope. This uh, is good. I, I was so happy to see that they are treating our badasses as badasses. Yeah. Um, like when, when Kara was given the pep talk, like, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll use the aisles to, or the seats to funnel them into the kill zones and we'll do this and yeah. that. And like, that's exactly the, the numbers. Like, you know, we got a lot of, we got a lot of dudes out here and there's only 40 in there. Like I, I do wonder why Carol, because she unironically assumes the mantle of queen in this episode. What she's resisted for a well, long time. Well, it's an assumption of convenience, let's say. Like, she, she's the queen when it suits her. That's true. Uh, but I, I do wonder why she decided to... Uh, I don't know. Maybe she thought Ezekiel needed to win. She's just being a supportive partner. I mean, maybe she, she's she thinks everybody it. needs to win, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do think that's the one part of the story they haven't told very well. The fact that the kingdom is kind of like on the ropes. Yeah, to where I'm they would you. want to make some kind of desperation like this, but and apparently on the hand, still the, on the ropes. Like that's the thing. The stuff that we were hearing about this earlier was much earlier, right? Um, yeah, like I'm Tara not sure. If it was and a Jesus year. were talking about being taken in, uh, and that whole thing was happening with the, you know, the the kingdom crumbling, and maybe they need to be taken in. But I, I thought this was later. Judging by Carol's no, you're hair, right. maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering. No, I think you're right. Like I like there's at least a year that's passed. But it's weird because we had a six year time jump and at some point between that and here, like the communities have kind of fallen apart and had a yeah. falling out. Uh, there's scars on backs. There's this uh you know, Daryl's gonna go on and talk about this 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 time of desperation where he was some kind of heroic figure. Um yeah, but but like I I also don't think that this is like in a distant past. Like this cold war yeah. between the communities feels like it's recent ish. Like a you know maybe a year ago, but not like five three even three years ago. But we'll we'll see we'll see. Um, they show a symbol on a sign here as they walk past, uh, which I assume has something to do with the whispers, but I'm honestly not sure. It looks like a like an A where if you move the the cross of the A up to the top and made it sort of a T on top of an A, 
Yeah, uh, like a fucked up pie symbol. Sure. Yeah. Um, I wonder. I, I don't because, know what it means. Because the whisperer said that like you had entered our territory, which whatever the hell, yeah. what does that even fucking mean to them? Um, I I do. Yeah, I, I don't know. Or maybe it's another faction. Does this have to do with the helicopter people? Maybe. Uh, but you're we'll supposed to notice more. it. You're supposed to notice it, and we did. There you go, show. Can't ask any more from us than that. All right, Henry's practicing his staff moves. They're sweet uh, when Daryl walks by. And he tells Daryl he gets it, but it's not cool uh, what they did to Lydia. Daryl says, live with it. Live with it, kid. Uh, and Henry asks how he can live with it, as an, uh, or how Daryl can live with it as a survivor of abuse. Daryl says, the world is shit, and you just live with it. Like nobody's really yeah. giving him much advice other than suck it up, kid. Which there, what can you say? <laughs> what can you do? Daryl's got the new JSS. The world's just shit sometimes. You know? <laughs> right? <laughs> He's That's not wrong. Other, yeah, you got to just survive somehow because the world's just shit sometimes, and uh, that's that's all you can do. And they mm-hmm. make this oblique reference to Alexandria. I know what you did to help, and Daryl's like, I know you don't. I had to do what I had to do, just like I did today. We all did. Um, yeah. I am really, really looking forward to seeing what the fuck happened that can justify all this bad blood between the family. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, like I, I don't have to look very hard to see examples in my own personal life where people have had fallings out over stupid shit. So, yeah. like I'm, I am prepared to accept this being some petty. You know, a certain point of view, uh, if everyone just sit down and have a talk and, and realize the important like that, that can apply to so many situations today. So, like, I'm not going to be too disappointed if it's stupid, but I'm, I'm really curious to find out what what it is. And I like how they juxtapose these last two scenes. Um, they've got the scene of Daryl telling the kid that the world is shit and sometimes and you just have to deal with it. And then they've got this next scene, which is Ezekiel you know, his mission having succeeded, the morale of the community being boosted by this this uh, bulb that they got. And it, there's a hopeful note to it at the end of this episode yeah. that I really appreciated. Yeah, the montage was Jerry playing with his adorable kids and his wife and the blacksmith and, uh, you know, got got a new family and they're kind of like doting over this baby. And mm-hmm. then you've got Henry rolling around in his bed of angst. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's kind of the, yeah, he's trying to make sense of all this and I get it. Uh, he's he's trying to live with it. He's failing. He he leaves this note for Daryl, um, who then takes off to go after him, and Connie goes with him. I'm digging. This is a cool road show. Like Connie and Daryl. Daryl and Connie. Yeah, like the the strong silent types. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I I kind of I'm. I don't know. Like I I do you. I'm I'm just really curious to see what what happens with this because uh, Daryl is kind of isolated. You know, he's always has Carol to lean on, but he feels like pretty much isolated from everybody else, and he's got this kind of like I don't know, cool uncle vibe he's got going on with Henry. But mm-hmm. uh, he needs more friends, more people to invest in, and I I if, if Connie uh, can be that person, I think that would be really cool. And I also just like how. Um, you know, he's like, no, you're not going with me. And she's like, yeah, I am. He's like, why? And she just, you know, I can't live with it either. And yep. that's the thing. Like, is how much of Daryl going out for after Henry is because he's he's Carol's loyal friend and he cares about her son. How much of it is it that he can't live with it either? I feel like it's all the above. Yeah, it's probably equal mix because you can yeah. tell like turning her over to that mother and that mother being 
viciously slapping her right off the bat. Like that had to stick in his cross so hard. Yeah, uh, I wonder if there's an opportunity for him to get her back to the community. Um, I think so. While he's out here, which might lead to all-out war. Um, and I, yeah, I, I yeah. don't know how you beat. I don't know how you beat directed hordes. Um. With with the limited firepower and things that they have at this at, at their disposal, because I think Daryl was bluffing about we got enough firepower to light you up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you, you think can so? defend yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, how much firepower do they got? Enough firepower to dispatch forty, fifty people? Sure. Well, I think they uh, took everything that Sanctuary had, right? And they, I think, had stockpiles. Yeah. And maybe that's why they're rolling around with spears and whatnot is because like, you know, the principal threat at this point is the dead. And they save all that for the living. But uh, yeah, or, I, I mean, know. it's been six years, so maybe they've run out of those stockpiles. Um, yeah, because even if you're making your own bullets, like you'll eventually run out of brass and lead and gunpowder. And I know like, you know, Kirk made gunpowder on that one planet out of mm-hmm. fucking sulfur and charcoal and shit. But I don't think it's that easy. Yeah. You know, like unless you go back to muzzle, lo- you know, muzzle loaders and stuff and like lower quality propellants. But like, yeah, you, you will eventually run out of even the raw materials to make bullets. And then then what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You're relying on a blacksmith to copy spears, apparently. <laughs> well, I uh, I don't I don't know what Ezekiel did to this uh, charter. If he maybe had to snip off a couple of articles uh, on the sides, if maybe he had to like I don't know, fold it under so you can only read you know, part of each paragraph, but he, it fits this frame perfectly like a glove. <sighs> it's such a coincidence. Yeah. I don't know how it's possible, but it does. Well, you know, uh, constitutions are, are a particular, they're a particular size. You <laughs> know? Are they? I didn't know that. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. They're like a, they're the actual size of paper, just like in, in Nick mm-hmm. Cage's uh, national treasure. They fit in a poster tube. They fit in poster frames. Just so <laughs> where do I buy constitutional paper? Is that just like? Uh, can I go down to Walmart and get a get a sheet or two? I I know. I, I think you got to go. Um, t- I, t- shit, I was trying to think of like what Freedom Hall <laughs> <laughs> to go to go to Nick Cage's house. I'm sure he has a few yeah. left over from oh, yeah. filming. He'll he'll sell you some vellum poster sized vellum for <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. Okay, that's the end of the episode, which it I is. think is the end of the, the podcast. But I don't know. What do you got? Uh, no, that's it. I am r- really enjoying this episode. I there's the last two or three. It's been kind of tough not to just go ahead and watch the next one. Oh, my uh, God. I'm, I'm doing oh it for my the God. sake of the podcast. <laughs> what a change. What a difference yeah. a year makes. What a yeah, difference man. an entirely like this... new writing staff makes. Yeah. Yeah, it really. And it, it's one of those things where it's like, I love it. But also like, man, it's so frustrating that they let Scott Gimple run this shit into the ground, yeah. reassign him to Fear the Walking Dead, which by all accounts ran that promising franchise. <laughs> like they had kind of righted the ship and got things going and invested. And then they ran it into the ground. Like, what the fuck? What, yeah. Get this guy, you, you know, relegate him to the junior writing staff again and maybe he can do some do some good. But mm-hmm. uh but yeah, this season so far has been excellent. Uh, I can't wait to see. I'm I'm invested in it. Uh, you know, like I, I'm going to recommend that if you've liked the podcast at this point, you ought to actually try out the episodes. They're pretty fun watches. They're really mm-hmm. easy pi- kind of popcorn watches. They're not offensive. There is some funny, goofy stuff in it, especially in the early goings. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a pretty good time. Uh, but we'll be back next week with the next episode, of course. 
Uh, we'll also be back at the end of the season for some more feedback. If you want to send that to us at watchingdead at baldmove.com, uh, we'll be doing that. You can also discuss it uh, with uh, your fellow fans on our forums, forums.baldmove.com, if you care to do so. But yeah, we'll be back next week with another issue, uh, episode of The Walking Dead. Another issue. Mm-hmm. Another episode of The Walking Dead. And until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you later. Bye.